Hello and welcome to Failing Up. This is Tim Marr. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jungle Jim. Jungle Jim did our musical director, did a little rearrangement of the music here, so it sounds a lot better for those of you that happen to be uploading this podcast on your mobile devices. Jim went back and uh, tweaked things and pulled out all the instruments in the uh, Jungle Jim studio and re-recorded and reproduced and really came up with a beautiful number. What a talented guy, Jungle Jim. What we do without our Jungle Jim? This is Tim Morgan recording from the basement studio in upstate New York, located on the banks of the Seneca River, leading out to the Great Lake of Ontario. If you've never been to any of the Great Lakes, they're like mini oceans, the Great Lakes. Some of, them, some of us are familiar with the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and they can be treacherous and they're huge. And Lake Ontario actually goes from about 44 miles from where I am, not even 44, 20 miles from where I'm located right now. And uh, you can cross it right into Toronto. You can cross it over into Buffalo, find yourself going over the falls. And you can also cross it right up into Canada through the Thousand Islands. So right across the street is the mighty beautiful Seneca River that leads to Lake Ontario through a few locks. And then uh, once you get on Lake Ontario, you can decide what you want to do. Do you want to go to Toronto, Buffalo? Getting into Toronto, you can go right through the Great Lakes and all the way up to Lake Superior. Uh, going in, making a right, you can go right up to the mighty St. Lawrence River, which will unload you right out into the Atlantic Ocean. Or you can take it into um, anywhere you want in the world. And speaking of going north on uh, Lake, uh, the mighty St. Lawrence River, I really recommend if you ever get a chance up north to go to Quebec City. What a magical place Quebec City is. It's like a little touch of Europe here uh, uh, in the northeastern part. It's up in Canada. Lovely people, a beautiful stone city, Walden City, and it's really quite a magical place. You get some great syrup up there as well, but I recommend going up to. Quebec City, you know, um, what a great place to, to go visit. But it's a beautiful day. And for those of you who want to comment or if you want to, you, know, you think you'd be a good guest on Failing Up, you know, please visit the website, my website, with it, which is uh, timothymar.org. That's timothy, M-A-H-A-R.org. I pronounce it Mar, like my cousins over in Ireland from Tipperary, a small town called Templemore in County Tipperary, a farm named Anfield. That's where my great-grandfather came from. Uh, the other side of my family is uh, German-Irish, and then um, my uh, my grandpa was a firefighter, fireman back in the day. They call them tillermen here in Syracuse. They don't have tillermen anymore in Syracuse. They may have a couple down in New York City still. That's the, that's the individual who drove the back of the fire truck, and that's what my grandfather did. My grandpa Hines, a great man, great man, one of the most influential people in my life. But, you know, enough about me. I don't know, but now with... Uh, you know, things loosening up with COVID, there's gratitude and concern. There's gratitude that people are getting out more and appreciating uh, the things that we missed, restaurants and and uh, parks and, you know, bookstores and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then again, there's a concern that we're, you know, we're not, we're not being as cautious as we could, even though many are vaccined. I did get my vaccine, my second shot of Moderna. And uh, no side effect. Uh, it's great. Um, my 18-year-old son's vaccine with uh, Johnson and Johnson, and uh, my wife's vaccine with Moderna. So 
My other son is too young to get vaccine, so we just have our fingers crossed because we are turning around to some uh, basketball tournaments throughout uh, the Northeast. So it'd be nice if uh, we can get him um, get him up there and uh, you know vaccinated. But the the vaccines are you know what, what a miracle and what a way to go. And and uh, you know I don't care what political persuasion you are. I don't care uh, what side of the fence you're on. <clears throat> Let's not let's not confuse politics with pandemic. You know, we're pandemic is here to save lives. I was disgusted when I saw um, uh, I think it's Johnson, the congressman Johnson, the guy who never wears a jacket. Is that his name? Whatever his name is, just going after Dr. Fauci last week. And you know, when you can when you confuse politics with saving lives, uh, it's really a treacherous, dangerous. Uh, rhetorical argument to go down to because people believe those people believe those lies and then they die you know and then they and then other people die so regardless of your political persuasion or or where you're coming from um let's let's take advantage of of the vaccines and let's take care of each other and uh it only makes sense at least to me which should be kind of scary to to anyone else but again you know timothy mar m-a-h-a-r.org is the website Feel free to visit it. You'll see some nice pictures of me and uh, some quotes, and you can you know do whatever you want. But in any event, um, the local art scene is one of the areas which I hope you know kicks back into gear. You know, and uh, arts and music and local music. No matter what region you're in in the world right now, listening to this, you you know you can't say enough for the quality of, of the talent in this world. There's so much talent in this world. There's the talent that makes it, and, and we and we all hear about and read about and enjoy. And then there's a bazillion other musicians and, and performers and writers and painters that that we never, most of us never have the opportunity to experience in, in any way, but they're there and they're extremely talented. And in some cases, just as talented as or more so than those that are, are topping the charts or selling their books and their poems and all those things. So really... You know, I urge you to support your local art scene in all ways you can. You know, I know there's some great there's some great bands here in the central New York area and a really vibrant music scene here. Um, I was fortunate enough back in the day to uh, attend a small high school in a, in, a, in a rural area up here outside of Syracuse. You know, Syracuse is not a big area uh, with just a lot of talent in there. A lot of, you know, in, in a four year span that I was there, six year span, well, I was in high school for six years. But in about a window of eight years, there there's some really big talent that came through that school. And, uh, you know, one group I I graduated with, they're, uh, they're out there performing. And they're a really talented band, and their name is a Tangled Root. Just a wonderful, wonderful uh, band of uh, uh, that performs regionally here in the area. And I really look forward to um, checking them out once they get back out and it's safe. You know, and there's and there's a bazillion, there's other bands like that, like Tanglewood out there. This band's unique because it's a group of brothers that are extremely talented that uh, come together and play. And there's some great artists here in this region. Um, a lot of musicians. A long, long time ago, I did an improv show called Live Radio where I would feature two uh, local musical acts on there on live radio. And I was just, I really had an opportunity to appreciate the talent that's in this region. And then you can take a look at this region and you can look throughout New York State and getting down into the city and the talents there. And then you move across the country at all these places across the country and the types of music, you know, whether it's whatever genre you're into, country and Western rock and roll, folk, middle of the road, 
um, classics. It's all it's all there and it's talented. The same with visual arts and the same with um, performing arts. There are some great, great uh, theater groups and, and improv groups and comedians uh, just touring the country in small towns, big towns, medium cities. And, and, and make no mistake, um, there is a lot of talent out there to enjoy. And that talent is just starting to be able to come out of their pandemic hibernation under certain circumstances. And I just urge you, no matter where you are, to, to, to check your internet, to check your YouTube, talk to Siri, however you get your information, even if you find an old paper someplace in a stand, and check out the local art scene in your community and support those that um, really bring so much to us. Uh, not just enjoyment, but awareness and entertainment and uh, and let them know how much we appreciate what they do. Because imagine imagine your community, wherever it is, whatever the size, without those artists. It would be dead. So so just imagine that. So glad, glad, uh, glad, uh, glad things are kicking up. I hope to catch some of the bands here. Hope to catch Tanglewood when they're back out. Hope to catch some of the local art scene once it's back out and the, getting more into the galleries. And um, really looking forward to some live performance, theater, all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, Hmm. Little sip of diet caffeine keeps this boy going. That's right, Tim Marr. So what's on my mind? What's on my mind as I'm sitting here in the basement? Another deadly shooting this uh, in the past couple days. This one in Indianapolis at a FedEx uh, building. Uh, this is a common occurrence in our country. And another, you know, another president at the podium saying this can't happen and uh but it does happen it continues to happen and it's become a norm uh and, and it's really a dangerous sad uh norm and, and it's one that we should fear that counting dead death counts have become a norm in our culture and if if I was a tween or a teen or a child right now watching the news, death counts have become a norm in our culture. Whether it's with the pandemic, whether it's with uh, shootings, um, we hear people and numbers about how people are dying tragically. And that has an impact. And if we feel that doesn't have an impact or think that it's not going to be impacted for years, then that, that's just a fool because uh, it, it is. You know, I, I grew up, as I said in my introduction, I was a child of the 60s and a teen of the 70s, and I remember vividly the death count um, nightly on the nightly news of uh, U.S. soldiers and uh, Viet Cong being killed. So I, I, I remember that and, and the impact of that, and that really uh, uh, persuaded me to look at, you know, uh, life differently. But they were numbers. They were numbers. And it's not just a number. Each one is a human life. And each human life you can multiply as a ripple in a pond with, with how that one death and who that impacts, who that mother, father, brother, grandfather, grandmother, significant other, companion, uh, niece, nephew, uncle, aunt, whatever you want to throw it. However that goes and whoever that impacts is, is severe. And those ripples eventually on the lake of life um, there's a lot of ripples and a lot of ripples cause a lot of waves and a lot of waves cause a lot of rocky water and causes a lot of um, conflict and causes a lot of violence and, and, and what, what is it? 
I have no doubt that the access to semi-automatic weapons and some of the access to guns is, is certainly a part of it. So that's a no-brainer. That's looking at the end, I believe. I believe that's looking at the end of it. I, I, yes, individuals have access to, to, to powerful weapons where they can cause mass, mass, uh, mass death massacres. Uh, the question is, if they didn't have access to a, to a semi-automatic rifle, would they still go in there with a pistol? Would they still go in there with something? Would they still perform these acts? I would say yes. I, th I think, the, I think the, the availability of weapons makes the horrendous act possible and the outcomes of the act magnified. Um, but when I constantly hear that being posed as part of the solution, I, I cringe because I, I think the solution is much deeper. It's much deeper than the access to semi-automatic weapons and guns. Yes, that's, a, that, that's something that has to be looked at. Yes, that's a big part of it. But what's also a big part of it is how our culture, how our society has been conditioned, conditioned over years, years. And I argue I argue that that is the stem cause of what we see occurring. Uh, sure, there's psychological issues and there's societal issues, but you know what? People have been bullied and, and people have been uh, treated in, in unfair ways and people have lost jobs and people have lost relationships. I've been through all of these things. Um, but why? But back in those days or back at that time or with a, with a number of individuals, you... You, you, you deal it with it differently. You know, you get bullied, maybe you get beat up, maybe you decide to take a swing, maybe, but you, you lose a job, you, you, you mourn that, you regroup and you move forward. You know, you get dumped. Well, you know what, you, you play some good music <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're, you, you tell yourself that, oh boy, am I lucky when really you're not. But, but anyway, you move on, you accept it and you move on. But there was always a value for life, always a value for life, because we interacted more. So we, you know, we interacted more in, in, in the normal occurrence of the day. You know, we went into the bank and we saw somebody or maybe somebody actually pumped the gas in our car. I, still, I think they still do that down in New Jersey, by the way. Um, you know, yeah, you drive through for food, but you also went in for food. Um, you, you shook hands. You didn't, you know, you, you, you listened to the radio and you watched TV, but you were also outside doing stuff. You know, you were doing stuff. You were with people. Whether you liked them or not, you were with people. Uh, and, and what's happened in the last year here is only accentuated, accentuated through, through the necessity of the pandemic of all Zoom meetings and Zoom classrooms have only accentuated the disconnect that we have with each other as human beings in our culture. And in the United States of America, a culture that is an impatient culture where everybody who has the assets wants things fast. Uh, I mean, you, you go, go to a drive-through at a Dunkin' on a, on a, on a, on a morning or, or in the afternoon, you know, during rush hour, and you're going to wait in line for 25 minutes to get a, to get a cup of coffee. People just don't want to get out of their car when you could probably park the car and go inside and get that coffee quicker. But no, you're waiting in that line for 20 minutes and by golly, I'm going to be late to work. But son of a bitch, I'm going to get that freaking cup of coffee because I waited in line. 
Um, same with McDonald's, same with Burger King, same with Taco Bell. We wait in these lines, we get through, we talk to a microphone, might be somebody in the window, they hand us a bag, we hand them a payment. That's it. No conversation. No, even on the New York State Thruway right now, there are no more individuals in toll booths. So what has happened is we've lost our interaction with each other as human beings. Now, you put on top of that over the last 15, 20 years, the boom of video games. And I don't mean video games like, like Pac-Man, that once were, you know, video games. You know, uh, I'm not talking about Madden 1000, and I'm not talking about the Wii playing tennis, and I'm not talking about all I'm talking about these commando video games, these, these graphics, where the graphics are actually have to be rated. They have to be rated for adults. And these are graphic games. These are graphic games where you have your weapons and you go into combat situations or hostages or whatever the, whatever the, the theme of the game is. And you're shooting and you're shooting. And I'll tell you, when you hit somebody, you, it's graphic. So, so the formula is you take away interaction. You put in the fact that... Um, you know, over the last 20 to 30 years, the I don't even think you can just say, well, the nuclear the nuclear family broke down because the nuclear family could be screwed up to it. And, you know, it wasn't the nuclear family wasn't always a great thing. You know, it was more of an image. But what did break down was was the interaction we had with guardians and and and, and friends and routines of um whether it was dinner or whether it was breakfast or whether it was hanging out or whether it was a phone call. That was replaced. That was replaced by sitting in front of a, a monitor for hours and hours and hours and playing video games. Now, now that's that's and when you sit in front of a monitor, the 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 radiation that comes off of the monitor and the, and the wavelengths of the light in the video that also messes with the mind. So essentially, sitting in front of a monitor for for a year or years on end playing violent video games that have to be rated, uh, psychologically, that's almost like brainwashing. And you're not interacting. You're not interacting with human beings in the, in the meantime. And then you may sprinkle on, oh, you know, maybe you felt as if you had been wronged, or maybe you felt as if, you know, you, you, you're owed something. And so you, 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 you mix that formula together, you know. Lack of human touch, hack, lack of human response, lack of uh, empathy because, because right now a person, another human being is someone you see on this monitor that you've been brainwashed. And again, the waves that come off the monitors, the, the light waves are not good for your brain and mind either. And so when, when you start blowing people away on a game for, you know, 80 hours a week, the game becomes reality. It becomes reality. And when that becomes reality, see, because on the game, they're not mothers and fathers and children, and they're not people with real lives. They're, it's a video graphic. On games, when you get shot, you live again. So if you blow your head off, you're coming back. You can, you can play that game for 18 hours or eight hours of the day and, and take out hundreds of people and and get killed hundreds of times, but you're still coming back. You're still going to be able to go up and get a sugar drink and, and hang out and do it again. You can throw that stuff in the mix, too. Instant self-gratification, the theme of, of, of our society. We want our food fast. I want the food fast. I want fast food. Got to get it in quick. We got to get it out quick. 
And if we can't get it out quick, we've got to find a way to get it out quick. And I want to get the food in fast, so the food I want to get in fast probably isn't good, but I've got to get that food out. And not only do I got to get that food out, I don't want to get fat. I want to get that fast food, but I don't want to get that fast fat. I got to get that off quick, so I don't want to exercise. I, that's not going to do it. I'm going to buy myself some huge diet plan that's being sold on TV, whether it's whatever it is, and they're going to send me food in the mail that's going to make me thin. And just like magic, I'm going to lose 35 pounds in, in 18, in, you know, in uh, nine weeks. I'm going to lose 35 pounds in nine weeks because I'm going to order food that's going to come to my house that's magic. It's magic. All of a sudden, I don't lose my 35 pounds in eight weeks while I'm playing my video game, shooting up hundreds of people. And... Uh, so now I'm losing, I'm not losing my weight. I'm not doing well at work and uh, I'm alone. Well, the, I, the world owes me, man. The world owes me. You know, screw the game. It's not enough anymore. I got to get out there and, you know, get myself some action, get myself a weapon and get myself a gun and show the world who I am. Because right now the world doesn't know who I am. They just know that I'm sitting here staring at the screen uh, in my own little world, not able to instantly lose what I had to lose and not eat as fast enough and not get my job as fast enough and not get my career fast enough, not rise to the top. You know, every, everybody wants to rise to the top fast, but there, there are steps it takes to rise to the, if you rise to the top, because not everybody rises to the top and that's okay too. But all these things are lost because we've become isolated. So the value on perseverance, the value on dealing with um, the ability, not the value, but the ability to deal with um, rejection, the ability to deal with um, uh, conflict has all been, is, is gone, you know, and find solutions. The solution is I'm going to blow everybody away. So what happens? An unstable person who may be unstable originally becomes unstable because of years of self-brainwashing and, and diet and, and sitting in front of a computer is readily available, able to get themselves an automatic weapon. And what are they going to do? They're going to go out and that game that to them is their reality, they go out with no regard for human life, no understanding of what they're doing, and they take they commit a horrendous act. They commit a horrendous act. And then afterwards, we hear, well, this can't happen again. We're going to pass laws and we're going to get rid of these guns. And that is part of it. Hear me. That is a big part of it. But that is not the whole part of it. It's an epidemic. Not an epidemic. An epidemic. An epidemic. What's an epidemic? An epidemic. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic that runs deep. And the vaccine for this pandemic is multi-layered. Sure, it involves getting the guns out of the hands of those individuals that commit these horrendous acts. But how do we know, how do these individuals become these individuals? I just laid out my theory. How do, how do we prevent future individuals? How do we curb this behavior? It's the behavior. The gun is the horrendous end product of the behavior. The behavior has been instilled. The behavior has been cultivated and nurtured and groomed, just like any other behavior in a society with, you know, what is the norm? 
we need to take a long, hard look at that piece of things. We need to take a look at what people are watching, what people are eating, how people are living, and what's, and what's not happening. How can so many people devalue life? I don't know. How can so many people commit horrendous, horrendous violent acts? I don't know. And how does it keep continuing and continuing and continuing? It's a deep dive. It's a deep dive looking at what, what supports that behavior. And I believe part of it is just what I talked about. It's part, you know, I, granted, I'm no whiz kid, but I think that's part of it. I think that's going to be part of the solution. Yeah, it comes down to parents, parents and guardians and whoever, but really getting a sense of, you know, who, who's who and, and how is this is happening. But you have to look deeper. You have to look deeper, you know. Those with substance abuse issues, you know, those who are alcoholic, drinking is the symptom. Drinking is the symptom of, of, of many other uh, behaviors that got there. Drinking is, a, you know, if you made drinking the gun, the gun that, that has somebody drive drunk when they're an alcoholic or, 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 or you know, whatever acts they may do, that's the symptom. But how, how do the, you know, what, what, what else is there? There. How does, how, does, how does someone become a recovering alcoholic? How does someone become a recovering drug addict? It's changing behavior. This cannot be our norm. You know, to turn on the news every three days and to hear another mass shooting and to shake our heads and to say, oh, that's horrible. What's the world coming to? It's our world. We've supported it. We've supported this culture. We buy all the things that feed into it. You just have to look a little deeper, I think. I have to look a little deeper. We all have to look a little deeper. Oh, man, listen to that. That is Jungle Jim kicking it in. Jungle Jim is kicking it in and letting me know that it is time to, to call it an evening. You know, uh, that's how I feel. Who knows how I feel? You know, I mean, I know how I feel, but... But, I, but that, that's what, you know, has popped into my mind. I may be right. It may be wrong. You know, feel free to reach out to the website, Timothy Mahar, M-A-H-E-R, uh, .org. And, uh, you know, really support your local art scene in whatever way you can. That's really critical. I believe that's critical to a lot of our uh, survival here, is, is appreciating the arts and the creativity in our communities together beautiful thing to do what a gift we have so much you know get out check out the bands like i mentioned so this is tim Marr packing it in on the uh in the basement on the shores of the lovely seneca river leading up to the mighty great lake ontario oh beautiful fishing on lake ontario great swimming and little waves you can buy to surf on a windy day leading out to the beautiful st lawrence seaway many freighters on the late st lawrence seaway of 1000 islands on that seaway leading up to the mighty Atlantic Ocean. When you stop by, make sure you see Quebec City. I look forward to you here talking again. This is Failing Up. Have a wonderful, wonderful, whatever, wherever you are right now, day, evening, driving the car, walking the park, and we'll be together once again very soon. Thank you.